0: Andrew checked into a hotel when they returned to the city, and Jim told them to meet him back in the office the next day. There would be time enough tomorrow, and we'd give Jim a chance to study up on the case files. Andrew agreed. I have other appointments in town anyway. I'll be in tomorrow morning and bring donuts. Maybe that can bring the cop inside you to life, Jim. When he had left, Jim went to his office while Mercedes began her research. She began with using their login to the SFPD's database and from there branched her search out. Boston PD was just a skip and a jump away. She cracked her fingers and in an hour she had the information she was looking for. When the file began printing, she noticed several other reports from the foster homes detailing the life of the adopted son. She printed those as well. The pile of paper in the printer basket grew and grew and she sighed. She would have to buy more paper soon. She brought him the pile when all was printed, as well as a fresh cup of coffee. He began reading at once, his cigarette planted in the corner of his mouth. He leafed through the case files with his eyes jumping back and forth over the pages. Mercedes left him alone, knowing by experience that this easily could be an all-nighter. Not so much of an issue for Jim, since he rarely slept more than an hour or two. She packed her things and put on her jacket. I'll see you tomorrow, Jim. Don't overwork yourself. There's still more coffee in the pot if you want it. Jim mumbled something, deeply engrossed in his reading. Mercedes left and headed home. Jim stayed at the desk, the pile of paper on one side growing in the next few hours as he worked his way through the case files. Why had this particular killing been different? Why had the killer let one person escape by not being home? The family had otherwise followed the same pattern, but Jim focused on one of the pages. According to the report, Mrs. Bradford had taken her son to stay with her grandparents when he had gotten a sudden stomachache. Mr. Bradford had an early meeting and had to get a good night's sleep. Her mother had offered to care for Andy and she had driven him over. According to the grandparents, Mrs. Bradford was distracted and preoccupied when she dropped the baby off. Coroner's report indicates that the murder must have happened fairly soon after her return home from this trip, possibly even a few minutes. So the family had changed plans in what was probably the last second for the killer, and it had been too late to abort. But there was something else. He found a page that contained a picture of the little boy. A slender, blonde boy with blue eyes and a big smile, Jim looked for the reports and the foster parents and saw that several of them had been saying the boy was growing up to be sweet, but with a desire to be alone. The last family to have him had stated... Jim froze. "'That's it,' he whispered. The last family to have Andy had been a Canadian family who moved here from Quebec, and their name had been Picard. "'I'm beginning to see why this case means so much to you, Andrew,' Jim mumbled and lit a fresh cigarette. Andy Bradford had become Andrew Picard. The next morning when Andrew returned, Jim still sat behind his desk. He had changed his shirt and showered and looked both fresh and aware, despite the only sleep he had enjoyed was a few minutes in his chair. Good morning, Andrew said as he entered. He carried a big pink box of donuts and three cups of Starbucks coffee. Good morning, Andrew, Mercedes said. She was already in her seat and opening the mail. For once there seemed to be a few checks in the envelopes and she smiled. Come on in, Andrew. There's something we need to talk about. Jim gestured to his chair and Andrew sat after handing Mercedes her coffee. We've got to talk about the case and about not being entirely honest with us. I did some digging, well, actually Mercedes did the digging, and came up with some interesting things. Jim picked up his notepad and looked at the scribbling on it. This morning I called the FBI field office in San Francisco as well as the Hoover building in D.C. I find it interesting that Special Agent Bacard took leave of absence about six weeks ago, citing personal reasons. I realized I never saw your badge, so I didn't know your badge number. ''But,'' Andrew blinked, before smiling a sheepish smile. ''Okay, you got me. I did leave the Bureau a while ago. I just thought you'd take me a bit more serious if I said... I would have taken you a lot more serious if you had told me the truth. ''How come you changed your name to your adoptive parent's name? Was it their idea or yours?'' ''Mine. It's perfectly legal.'' The FBI didn't bat an eye. I'm sure they didn't. Happens all the time. And after all, it would make it a lot easier to be assigned to a case if your last name wasn't the same as the deceased anymore. Am I right? Right as rain. So you chased your parents' killer for how long? Since I finished the academy. Technically, it was just a bunch of cold investigations so nobody minded me looking into them on my own time. Then the new killings happened, and I thought I could do some good in it, but when I tried to get a transfer, they discovered my connection to the case, wouldn't let me near it. I knew they wouldn't be able to do anything, so I took the files and everything I needed and came to you. Whoever killed them took my sister Linda away, Jim." It's been my mission to find her for as long as I've lived. Andrew's eyes became harder now. Jim nodded. See, if you told me this from the start, it would have been a lot easier. I can appreciate your reasons. But if you ever lie to me again, we are done. Am I clear? Absolutely. Andrew seemed to relax a little again. Now... Let me tell you what I managed to gain from the spirit world during the night. Jim lit his cigarette and pulled another piece of paper off a notepad. I tried contacting the spirits of the dead people from the other killings. It's harder to speak to a spirit the more time has passed since his death, but sometimes it works. I'll usually be able to at least find out what happened to the spirit, if it's still out there or not. None of the dead family members are anywhere to be found, however... Their spirits didn't stay in this world, and they didn't move on to whatever is beyond it. They just... vanished. I guess that Lindsay was the exception. Andrew looked puzzled. So what does that mean? It means that something removed them. And it's a pretty good bet that this something is whatever killed them. What I'm going to do is try to talk to one of the spirits I know personally... He is somewhat of a mentor for new spirits and he could probably help us out a bit if he feels like it. What I am still puzzling over is what happened to the lost kids. You don't think he just killed them? No. Because like I said, I can sort of tell if a spirit has moved on or not and theirs haven't. My next step is to try and contact one of them through my spirit friend. So what do you need me to do? Andrew sipped his coffee. First, as I said, I need you to be straight with me in the future, instead of hauling me and my secretary to a closed-off crime scene illegally. But if you want to help right now, I'd suggest you start looking into the John and Jane Doe's in the time after each murder. I'm sure you've done something like this already, but take a close look again. See if there is some record of the lost kids being found later, possibly in the next murder city. I'll give it a shot, but there's not a lot I can do without access to the FBI mainframe. Go talk to Mercedes. She's got a magic touch and access to a whole slew of police databases, courtesy of Inspector Charles. Just don't mess with her computer. I promise, Andrew grinned. Get out there and close the door, and don't come in here until I come out. Andrew left the office, closing the door behind him. Jim could hear him talking to Mercedes in the front office. Jim leaned back in his chair, closed his eyes, and spoke out loud. Kramer. Anderson Frederick Kramer. Come to me if you can hear me. There was no immediate result, and he repeated the phrase a few times. Finally, a hazy figure appeared in the corner of the office and formed into the spirit of a black man with a big afro haircut. His open brown vest and wide pants and the peace sign around his neck made him look like he had stepped straight from the summer of love, which was, incidentally, when he had passed away. Jim, man, you call me more and more, Anderson said. His spirit voice was clear from lots of practice. I've got other things on my plate than helping some gumshoe out all the time, you know? I know. But I need some help to locate spirits from far away and long ago. I figured you'd be the right person to ask. No one seems to know the spirit world better than you. You flatter me. Buttering me up isn't enough, man. I've got spirits to look out for. Why should I help you today? This concerns a serial murderer. He's been killing people since the 1930s, and we are trying to find out what happened to the victims. Their spirits seem to have vanished. Passed on, you mean? Anderson's forehead furrowed. No, I mean, actually vanished. Have you heard of that before? Anderson got a serious look on his face and he sat down in the chair in front of the desk. Of course, his spirit form didn't actually sit in the chair but merely occupied the same space. It was one of the little quirks Jim had seen of the spirits who had stayed behind for a long time. I've heard of it, yes. And man, you need to take that serious if that's true. Did anyone ever tell you about a soul eater? Can't say they did. Terrifying things. There's not many of them, thankfully. They start out as humans, of the most cold blooded psychotic kind. When they die, they take nourishment from other spirits around them, making them stronger and more powerful. They never move on, and the spirits they feed on never do either. They plain vanish. As if they were eaten. Hence the name. Don't get around with this man. It might sound like an urban legend for spirits, but they're out there. And they are dangerous. Sometimes they'll even touch other spirits, corrupting them, changing them. They are not to be trifled with. How exactly does one fight them? You? You don't. You might be able to see it with your gift and all there's nothing you can do to it. It's just as intangible as I am. You could shoot or stab it and it would pass straight through it. So, I need a spirit to do my hunting for me, is that what you're saying? Anderson's eyes widened. Don't even think it, man. I'm not going up against a soul eater. No way. And no other spirit is going to want you either. Anderson's eyes widened behind his glasses. Of course... If you're really nuts enough, there are ways for you to cross over into the spirit world, but... Whoa, whoa. Jim held up his hand. Cross into? What way is that? Tell me more. I was going to. Because you can see the spirits. You can probably release your own spirit from your body and send it into the spirit world, but that would be an incredibly stupid and dangerous thing to do. Why? because your soul isn't like anyone else's. You're pretty unique. And that means someone like the Soul Eater would be drawn to you like a moth to a flame. And you don't have any way of fighting it. You don't know any of the tricks the spirits learn. Moving stuff with your mind, speaking to mortals, that sort of stuff. Not to say those tricks would do you any good against it. Would you know if I can talk to the spirits that haven't been eaten but been close to it once I'm inside the spirit world? The ones that only changed or touched? Possibly, if you can find them. I suppose I could help you out with that much. Be your guide, so to speak. But I'm not going near a soul eater, do you understand? Jim nodded. All right. That seems like acceptable terms. How do I cross over? You need to go to deep sleep. I'd suggest taking some deep dope, sleeping pills or something like that. If you actually do cross paths with a Soul Eater, you might need to get back to your body, and it will try probably to block you. Set an alarm clock so you can wake up no matter what. So, you go to sleep, focus your mind, and project yourself out. Right before you go to sleep, summon me. I'll guide you. All right. I'll go do it right away. Anderson nodded and slowly faded away. Jim got to his feet, stretched, and opened the office door. I guess I'm gonna call it an early day,